NEI Hoops Report, the number one rated NEI basketball coverage in the world, is proud to present the Road to Muni podcast with Junior and Pat. Hello, NEI Hoops Nation, and welcome to the Road to Muni podcast. The road is officially in Municipal Auditorium beginning today. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, games beginning at 1 o'clock p.m., uh, and then going at one, three, five, and 7 today, uh, and then again tomorrow in the round of 16. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's, it's always like I'm going to steal path line again, and I always feel bad, but it is path line. But uh, great time of year. Um, it's, it's been a, a lot of fun to watch uh, the, these opening round games. And I just want to just reemphasize here on the introduction here that, uh, um, you know, this is a this is men's championship and uh you know the national championships and and when i say that it's because of uh you know some of the the uh branding and some of the stuff that the ncaa does around march madness and they even have i think they've actually uh owned the rights to the word bracket as well and tournament you know national tournament so um very careful in our in our word phrasing in these ones but the men's national championship is a 64 team field and i want to re-emphasize that just in the fact that you know, I've seen some posts out there from from different people congratulating, uh, you know, different programs on reaching the NEI National Tournament. I've seen some uh, posts about, you know, uh, d- this and that, just to to say that the, you know, Kansas City is not the the official national tournament. It's an awesome, awesome week. Um, I love the NEI basketball. I love it when it's in Kansas City. Um, you know, I hope eventually maybe we can get to 32 teams in in Kansas City. I don't know how that format would would play out. I know there's a couple of different proposals out there. Um, you know, and, and have an opening round game somewhere, and then and then you would go and play uh, the round of 32 actually in Kansas City because I think it is fun. Um, I think it's one of the things that made the, the NEI National Tournament uh, unique is the fact that uh, you know you you had to play 32 or you had 32 teams all on one site. Um, 16 teams at one site still pretty uh, unique, and, and it, it's a well first and foremost uh, congratulations to all the teams that make it this far. Um, but I do want to emphasize that those opening round games, you know, are not just regionals. They they are regionals in, in a per se, uh, but teams do come out from all over to play each other. And and uh, it is considered the NEI national quote unquote tournament. Um, I just want to make sure that that is, is pointed out because there's 48 teams that unfortunately did not make it to Kansas City, uh, but they still earn that right to call themselves a national tournament uh, participant or national NEI men's national championship participant. And, you know, Pat, I just think that, uh, you know, it's it's uh, been a lot of fun these last two weeks. And I just want to make sure that we're we're including that entire field and not just these 16 teams going to Kansas City. Well, yeah, and that's exactly it. Right. All these guys, all these teams, these programs work so, so hard to, to reach this point. And, you know, when you're sitting around in, in you know, July and August, you're making goals and, and your goals are, are to make the national tournament and, and that national tournament it's a field of 64. So I think that's a great call out by you. Obviously, congratulations to all the teams that, that made it, you know, to here to Muni, but also uh, congratulations to those teams that were just one of the final 64 teams, right? That, that is an accomplishment in and of itself and deserves to be, you know, awarded and congratulated. Yeah. And, and just to talk about some of these teams in Kansas City, and we're going to we're going to, this is the format for this uh, episode here. We're going to start off, uh, uh, we're going to go by quadrant here. So we're going to start off in the, in the Naismith quadrant. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, not just the games in, the, in round 16, we'll get there, but uh, just kind of leading up to uh, uh, some of these games as well. So 
Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the opening rounds, uh, but we're going to put a lot of focus also on the uh, round of 16 team here. Uh, round of 16, um, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, it's the Road to Muni podcast for a reason. We rebranded uh, the name of it this year, uh, but now we're officially in Municipal Auditorium. Game. And um, I, I think that the 10, uh, rightfully so, should be put on the 16 teams. But, uh, um, you know, just talked a little bit about the Naismith quadrant here, Pat. Uh, um, you know, it's uh, the top half of the bracket. You know, I don't know. You know, I big surprise round with Huntington going down uh, to Pikeville. But uh, ultimately, I think College of Idaho, uh, you know, I, I think everybody, their, their uh, mom uh, probably put the money on College of Idaho to be uh, they're, they're representing uh, the or, sorry. So seeing College of Idaho uh, coming out of that bracket. Uh, and then you got an LSU Shreveport team, you know, coming into uh, uh, um, – they were in that Huntington bracket, uh, but they uh, knocked off uh, Thomas, Georgia in, in a thrilling uh, overtime game, 107-104. Um, and then they had knocked off Pikeville, uh, again, who knocked off Huntington uh, in the opening round. Uh, they turned around and knocked them off 78-73 to move into Kansas City here. Uh, and then just moving down the bracket – uh, you got a Tougaloo team who, who, uh, and and we'll talk about both both Tougaloo and St. Thomas. But uh, uh, if, if anybody listened to our previous show, which we actually uh, closed out with, uh, or with nearly uh, sixteen hundred people uh, listening to that uh, opening round uh, preview show, uh, Pat was was right on the money with Tougaloo and St. Thomas. Uh, give him kudos on that. The uh, Sagu actually knocked off Loyola, the defending national champions, uh, in the opening round, and uh, Tougaloo knocked off Texas A&M, Texas Arcana, who was actually my dark horse, and then uh, Tougaloo and, and followed up with another nice win, knocking off 14 seed Sagu to advance here to Kansas City, and then following up that in the Naismith bracket, uh, you had a St. Thomas team who came out very, very good, very, very strong against the Masters. Uh, you know, we we kind of questioned on on that pad of of how. Masters would be affected flying from California to Florida and how that would impact uh, uh, them. Kind of looked like they were a little bit uh, lagging still coming off the plane. Uh, and then to follow up there, you had uh, the two-seed Florida College uh, in, a, in a thriller against Life, knocking them off 79-77. Uh, and then uh, St. Thomas actually uh, knocked off Florida College uh, 86-84 in overtime to advance to, to Kansas City. So, uh, again, just to repeat uh, here, we're going to have the Naismith Quadrant. Uh, actually, the first game is going to be the 60 Tougaloo uh, versus the 10 seed St. Thomas. That is uh, later on today, this afternoon at 1 p.m. And then the 3 p.m. game it will be the 1 seed College of Idaho taking on the 5 seed LSU Shreveport. Uh, Pat, I know I, I uh, kind of reviewed that pretty quick, but uh, games and and I think that uh, like I said, I I sh- we maybe we shouldn't be surprised that some of these teams are here because uh, you know you did call uh, on several of these teams to be here, but. Uh, uh, a lot of great action. He's over. Or we talked about how many overtime games were just in this quadrant alone uh, in those opening round games, but uh, four very good teams coming out of these uh, to Kansas City. Yeah, I, you nailed it. Certainly was, was a really, really exciting quadrant. And, you know, Tugaloo this whole time has been, hey, wait a minute, we've lost one game, right? Like, let's not forget about us. But I think the biggest surprise really is. LSU Shreveport is a team, and we spent a lot of time when we talked about them talking about Jalen Brooks, but they got contributions from a bunch of guys in that win over Pikeville. So if they, you know, can lean on a lot of those guys, and we know that this is what kind of drives you in the tournament is you have your one key guy, but what contributions can they get from the guys outside of Brooks? And if you can continue to get contributions from some of those, you know, the third or fourth option, whoever you might be, 
you're really going to put yourself in a good spot. So if that depth can carry over to this College of Idaho game, it's going to be a really, really good matchup because we know College of Idaho kind of prides himself on their depth. So if Shreveport can continue to get contributions, I think College of Idaho might have their hands full. This is Jalen Brooks. I mean, got in foul trouble in that, open, in that opening game. And, uh, you know, they got, they got a 37-point outing from D- Damon Davis, uh, who – uh, big time performance there, and then uh, Brooks uh, coming out in the in that uh, uh, regional championship game uh, with 16 points, 18 rebounds, just uh, uh, imposing his will in that game. But uh, even then, he got they got 20 points out of Calvin Carpenter, and then another good game out of Damon Davis, who have put up uh, 16 points, seven rebounds to go with six assists in that game. So uh, you're right. I mean, if if uh, I think Jalen Brooks uh, in the top three right now with Riley Minix and and uh, Mason Walters for for National Player of the Year consideration, and uh, is very 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 good player. And we'll see if uh, you know. I think that we'll need him obviously uh, in this uh, game. But uh, uh, if Calvin Carpenter and Damon Davis and company can can uh, turn around and continue to put up big numbers, uh, that just makes the Pilots that much better. So uh, going to be very very good uh, matchup in this in this uh, three o'clock game. I think that uh, uh, as we're talking about this uh, uh, a little bit, you know, College of Idaho just. Uh, you know they they came out a little sluggish in that first game, uh, and and was able to it was able to squeak by. Uh, but then when you start looking at uh, uh, and Westcliff, I should say you know mentioned that you know Westcliff was no no slip. I mean they came in with a ten game win streak coming into that game, so um, you know they were eventually able to pull away in the second half. But uh, the Yotes did get a challenge there, and then they uh, uh, you know Xavier very good defensive team and uh, a little struggled a little bit to score against that Yote defense we've talked about over the course of the year that. When College of Idaho is able to get that defense locked in, especially on a short rest, um, I think it's very, very tough uh, to to, to uh, prepare for the Yotes. And uh, uh, we kind of saw that a little bit in that Xavier game. Uh, College of Idaho got out big pretty early and, and kind of coasted in that one. Uh, but a very, very balanced uh, offense. Uh, um, you're talking about uh, a lot of uh, youngsters, too. So this is a team that, uh, um, you know, they're now haven't lost since the first game of the season. And and it's just absolutely rolling right now, and so that's going to be a big time matchup. I, I'm eager to see what the what College of Idaho does with Jalen Brooks and company. Um, just defensively, I, I think that you know they're pretty predicated on team defense and uh, a little bit of their matchup zone and, and being able to close out and stuff. And uh, you know, but I'm not sure that they've seen a, a player of the caliber of Jalen Brooks all season. So uh, except for maybe the Christian game at the beginning of the year, obviously, but uh, uh, a lot of fun going to be this one. Just kind of seeing that that uh, you know this week building up into a pat uh you know how that scouting reports formed and how teams are going to execute execute the scouting report once they see these players on the floor yeah and your point about defense is a great one because we'll talk about it probably throughout this podcast about how sometimes these new arenas these neutral side arenas it takes you a little while to find your you know your range offensively you're, you're probably not going to see your 107 to 104 shootouts here in muni that's just you know the way the game works right so who can lock in defensively, who can kind of, you know, it's all about the in-game adjustments, right? We know that. So what can Brooks do against this College of Idaho defense and what can College of Idaho do to kind of key in on him? This little game within the game is, is going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, he is definitely sort of in a, just an absolute dynamic playmaker. So it's going to be, he is the one you want to watch. Well, and both of these teams were here last year in, in the in Municipal Auditorium. And so, uh, you know, while Jalen Brooks was not, you know, the the College of Idaho and, and Shreveport both were, um, you know, this is a and and, and the Coach Blankenship is actually uh, with Shreveport is not no stranger to Kansas City. 
Um, I think they probably got the routine pretty good. I know uh, with the merger, uh, College of Idaho was here last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, just kind of a going to be an interesting thing. You know, Shreveport does not shoot a lot of threes. I, you know, they even in that 107-point game, you know, I believe they only shot shot seven entire game. Um, they're a team that gets to the free throw line a lot. They, they're very aggressive to the rim, uh, very aggressive in transition. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be interesting to kind of see what College of Idaho does with that, with a team that doesn't shoot a lot. You know, are they going to pack that zone in even more and try to take away the rim completely? Or, you know, it's just going to be fun kind of seeing those moves and see how it goes. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it over the years, and, and we, we've not always been correct. But, for you know, as you're talking about, you know, the majority of games inside Municipal Auditorium, uh, especially in the opening round games as teams are adjusting to the backdrop, the shooting's not always. I mean, we've seen some horrific, and I mean horrific, plays <laughs> in the opening round. Uh, uh, of the national or of the uh, NEA national championships here in Kansas City, so uh, you know, as a team like Shreveport, who doesn't uh, who isn't built around the three point line, uh, you know, maybe they have an advantage coming into this game. You know, and College of Idaho comes in as one of the top shooting teams in the country. You know, we'll kind of see how they adjust. Um, you know, Shreveport also, you know, just a side note, they're coming out out of after playing in Rapides uh, Arena uh, here the last couple of weeks here for the Red River Athletic Conference. Uh, championship game and then turn around and, and uh, or a tournament and then turn around and play in their opening round game out in Alexandria as well. And so they're, they've been playing in a huge arena the last couple of weeks. And, and even though they don't shoot a lot of shots deep from deep, you know, maybe that's a team that is just used to the environment and playing in a big arena. And maybe that can give them a little bit of advantage as well. So uh, very interested in this matchup. I, I think this is, these are two very, very hot teams, very good teams. I know LSU Shreveport lost in the Red River uh, conference championship game, but uh, other than that, they've been playing some great basketball, and I'm really looking forward to that uh, that 3 p.m. tip off. But uh, uh, I think moving down here, Pat, just to to talk about the 1 p.m. game and uh, starting the tournament off, uh, you know, St. Thomas as a team that uh, you know coming in from the from the 10 seed here, uh, you know, you just kind of wonder, you know, what kind of mentality they come into this game with. I think they're a team that. When they when they come into a game and they respect their opponent and they think their opponent's good, they are they lay it on some teams. I mean, we've seen them blow up some of the teams here in the last uh, the second semester by 20, 30 points, and those are the teams that you know. They, I think they even beat up, beat Southeastern Florida uh, by twenty in the regular season in the game, or you know, some you know late in the regular season here. Um, and then in the opening round game, opening round, I thought the Masters, you know, a team that was coming out obviously from California, like we mentioned, I thought they were rolling and coming into the tournament and. I know they lost their opening round of their GSAC tournament, but uh, a very, very good team. Um, I know the Masters is, is, is young as well, and, and we'll see them back next year probably. But uh, um, this is the St. Thomas team that when they get up for games, and, and I think that they'll be respecting everybody here on out because it is the round of 16. Uh, but they're, they're a team that is very, very dangerous when they think that they're the underdog. So it'll be kind of interesting in this one. I love the Tuglu team. I, I think I hope that you know people got the opportunity to, to, to finally watch them play these opening round games down in New Orleans. Uh, Cameron Copeland and company are, are the real deal. I think they're they've they're still got a little bit of chip on their shoulder, like we talked about in the opening uh, round preview, uh, Pat. But uh, uh, two probably under the radar teams here to matching up, uh, but going to be a lot of fun in this game. Yeah, that's exactly it. Two teams that you probably you know are maybe a little surprised are here, but Tugalu is a team, right? That's just been kind of not necessarily counted out all year long, but but just has kind of flown under the radar and, and quietly gone about their business. And, yeah, I think Coach Creary, you know, he's obviously one of the best coaches in the, in the country. And if he, like you said, if his guys are ready, his guys are, are kind of dialed in, they're as good as anybody. He, he talks all day long about the guys that he has. And now 
it's all about getting hot at the right time, right? If they can just continue to piece it together and just find the rhythm, right? You're at the end of the road here, right? The road is in Muni and we have made it. And if you can just kind of keep figuring it out and, and stay focused for a few more games, I think the St. Thomas team really, you know, has potential to move past Tougaloo. Is, is it, this is going to be a, a good, good matchup. And, you know, you almost feel like, just happy for for these two teams just kind of like on a human level right this Tougaloo team like we said almost a little bit disrespected like you know all year long and then St. Thomas who you know like we said Coach Crary obviously a friend of the program and a good friend of the NAI and just two two teams that you like to see have success in this moment. Yeah and and, and Milton Matthews and Fred Mulba have been outstanding uh and and I, you got to expect that too and and I'm just the only thing I worry about these two teams and, and, uh, and give them a little, I'll give these, both these teams a, a little bit of a, a motivation here. Uh, I know that uh, you'll, you'll call me out on this one if, uh, if it happens, but uh, uh, you know, the one thing that we've seen out of like the Shawnee state who won it two years ago and, and Loyola last year, and some of these teams that have made some deep runs is just their overall depth. You know, can you get to nine, 10 guys and, and give these guys breaks? And I know that uh, both of these teams have a guy a lot, or have several guys playing some, major major minutes in these games and and they should be okay in this opening round game but you wonder you know if, you know whoever comes out of this game you know kind of what does that do uh you know moving forward because uh it you know this is a tournament when you have to win four games in six days you know or or you know five days if you play on tuesday um you know how does that affect your you affect you and, and i think that uh, what we've seen over the past couple of years is definitely ma uh, depth matters and and kind of seeing how that plays moving forward between these two teams is going to be something to kind of watch out for. Yeah, that's so true, right? Like you said, the Monday one's easy. It's the Wednesday one that becomes really difficult. And it's just hard, right? You're at the point in the season where you've played so many games, your body's tired. Obviously, everybody's a little bit banged up this, this time of year. But I also think, you know, you kind of wonder about the experience, right? How can these two teams handle it? You know, not a ton of national tournament experience on, on either team who can step up, who can kind of just kind of keep the ship going in the right direction, keep that guiding hand on the program. Yeah, and so that that's the uh, big summary of the Naismith Quadrant. Uh, uh, Pat, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, uh, you know, our favorite matchups here on this side of the bracket between the, the Naismith and Liston, or I'm sorry, the Naismith and Kramer uh, moving forward. But, uh, uh, you know, just to keep an eye on, on these games, again, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon, um, and then we're going to turn around and, and move on to the Kramer Quadrant, which will be the 5 o'clock and 7 o'clock game. Um, you know, 5 p.m. game is actually going to be the 7-seed the Ottawa and the 11-seed and the, uh, Southeastern Florida. Um, and then the, the 7 p.m. game uh, will be the 1-seed William Penn uh, taking on the 4-seed Montana Tech. Uh, just kind of going through, uh, William Penn actually uh, got through their home court uh, there, their, their quadrant. Uh, they knocked off the 16-seed, uh, 75-65, uh, St. Xavier, uh, 75 65 and then uh turn around and, and knocked off a very very tough rio grand team uh 73 61 after actually only scoring 19 points in the first half uh, of that game they turned around and, and were able to put up uh, 54 i believe in the second half to to take that one home and then uh you know going down you got a montana tech who who won their uh regional two the the they got to host the regional and uh they, they knocked off westmont in the opening round 83 69 uh, and then Thomas Moore, uh, who was a team that made it to Kansas City last year, uh, they actually knocked off Eastern Oregon in the first round. And then Montana Tech was able to beat Thomas Moore, uh, actually 77-72 in overtime. And, uh, you know, just talking about, 
these two games, this game, we'll start off with this game here. Uh, you know, this is actually a game that, uh, uh, unfortunately, with Montana Tech, I, I believe uh, uh, that uh, the I believe that the uh, Frontier Conference Player of the Year, Caleb Belich, uh, who got hurt in the opening round, he didn't play in that championship regional championship game. Um, unfortunately, he uh, looks like he's probably out for the year. Um, I don't know that for 100%. And again, in the NEI, it's hard to get, you know, full information. But uh, listening to that game and, and watching that game and the broadcasters uh, kind of made it sound like, and he was hopping around on crutches and stuff. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the best players in the country is probably going to be out of, of this game. But even one pin, uh, they played their their uh, uh, last game without James Pennington, a player you probably know well from uh, Tr- Christian, who transferred in uh, last year and then uh, – they actually had a player, another uh, player, get uh, hurt pretty early in that game. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, two teams that are kind of banged up a little bit, uh, whether these players get back and, and are able to play or if, uh, if both of these teams come into this one shorthanded. But uh, uh, two two really fun teams. I think that uh, uh, last time that William Penn made it to Kansas City two years ago, um, it was a Frontier Conference team uh, and Carroll that came uh, out from the West Coast and, and beat them by, I think, 18, 20 points. And so – uh, you know, you, you just kind of wonder, you know, William Penn kind of had that in the mind last or in the in the opening round games when they had to play Ryle Grand, you know, that same same uh, league as, as Kokomo that knocked him off last year. You know, does that uh, come in here? Are they, are they extra motivated now uh, going to play another Frontier Conference team who actually I think has knocked him off in two of the last three. Uh, looking back on the on the here to the past standings, I believe they've knocked him off. A Frontier Conference has knocked him out of the tournament here two of the last three years. So uh, going to be a lot of fun to look at. Uh, to watch this game again, Belich, it looks like for Montana Tech, but they just played uh, their last game here without him and, and uh, did just fine. So, uh, gonna be a, a fun one here, Pat. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I can tell you the answer to your question. Will William Penn be motivated by being knocked off by you know, conference, uh, an opposing conference two years in a row or whatever it was? The answer, quite simply, is yes, right? That That's what makes this William Penn team, I think, so dangerous. is just like how we were saying Tougaloo and, and St. Thomas don't necessarily have the, the, the national tournament experience, this William Penn team does, right? And, and this players don't forget. Coaches don't forget, right? This is where coaches, I think, really have an opportunity to motivate players and, and kind of instill, you know, a little bit of pride. This is where you find your extra juice. And unfortunately, obviously Montana Tech a little bit banged up. William Penn also might be a little bit banged up. You wish both teams were at their strongest and, you know, at their full availability. That's just the way the ball bounces sometimes. But I think this William Penn team with a little extra chip on their shoulder, if that's even possible for a number one seed, becomes really dangerous when you start thinking about past losses and finding motivation through through moments like that. That's where I think teams really, really dig in. And you have some good leadership. You have some – some good, just strong motivation within your locker room. That that is where teams reach another level. Yeah, and, and you know, just going through that a little bit. Uh, their sophomore uh, uh, Malik Edwards has been been phenomenal here, and and uh, we mentioned it after the first. He, he struggled a little bit in the opening round game, and we mentioned it that uh, you know he, he expected him to have a bigger night in the second uh, game there, and, and he really in that second half uh, came out big for the statesman, but. Uh, um, yeah, coming down to this Montana Tech team, I mean, they knocked off a very good Thomas Moore team without Caleb Belich. So uh, even if he can't play, uh, you know, it's not like this team is lacking uh, uh, talent or, or lacking, uh, you know, I, I think that they're, they're a very disciplined program. 
um, do a lot of things well. I think also also Williams, uh, uh, you know, uh, from the guard spot can really score. And then uh, Michael Ure uh, down below or down in the in the big uh, uh, the post can it can really do some things too. And um, you know, that's just a, a team that uh, you know uh, Ure is coming off a twenty two point game. Uh, Isa Williams uh, with eighteen, and then uh, you even have uh, Hayden Dickens that uh, uh, put up a twelve and thir- twelve points and thirteen rebounds in that uh, uh, you know quote unquote regional championship game against. Uh, uh, a very good Thomas Moore team who who'd done uh, I think Thomas Moore was a top five team a top five team at one point in the country or in the country at one point uh, this season. Uh, Montana Tech's been right around the top fifteen uh, teams in the country, so uh, I think this is going to be a really really good matchup, and and I'm really looking forward to it. Even uh, even though they're may coming into this game, so uh, something to look out out for for sure. Uh, but moving into and that's the seven p.m. game again, but moving into that five o'clock game. Uh, it's really funny how some of these brackets work out, you know, in, in the, in the Naismith bracket, the Naismith quadrant, we had uh, the six versus 10. And, and now we're going to have this one, uh, seven versus 11 um, Ottawa, you know, uh, what can you say about them? I mean, in that opening round game against Baker, um, maybe, maybe the shot of the year, not just a shot of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, coming up big, uh, the all American, uh, not ready for his career to end. Uh, hits the they they actually got uh, down with 1.3 seconds left uh, through the, the old Valpo play uh, out there and and uh, hit the three pointer uh, there and uh, to not take them ahead of Baker uh, in the opening round um, and then you know we've been talking about Oklahoma Wesleyan all year long and how good they've been and and uh, you know Ottawa came out red hot again in that game and shot the ball well but then you know they just looked like the better team in that Oklahoma Wesleyan game and and. That's hard to say because Oklahoma Wesleyan is so good on t- on both ends of the floor. And uh, uh, big kudos to to Coach Keeley. We've talked about uh, you know just started a program at, at Ottawa. I, I believe it was eight seasons ago. And national uh, championships last year uh, in the first round. I believe they got knocked out. Uh, but this is a team that now is making Kansas City for the first time. So uh, they keep knocking down barriers and and uh, uh, making new history. Uh, they're down in Ottawa, uh, and, and a lot of fun to watch uh, this team. They play fast, and uh, but I gotta say, you know, Randy Lee, what uh, he has done at Southeastern Florida uh, here, here just and even the second semester, you know, uh, uh, first year head coach and, and taking over, and uh, you know, I, I can't believe what the what the turnaround they've had. I believe at one point, uh, I want to say I can't remember exactly where they were right around. Yeah, I know they almost finished five hundred, but they had a losing record for most. Year, and then they just got red hot towards the end of the year. Uh, they're coming in this game, uh, uh, you know, as winners of the of the. Uh, sorry, they've they've won eight in a row, but they won the uh, Sun Conference title. Uh, and then they also won their first two round games. And uh, you know, when you have Riley Minix, it helps a lot. But uh, uh, you know, Pat, even beyond that, you know, I, I have to I have to give them kudos. I thought that uh, uh, C.J. Hines out of Faulkner was, was going to be another All American this year. And, um, a very, very good player, a Faulkner team that uh, has made it to uh, uh, two straight trips to Kansas City and, and, and got knocked off in the opening round here to South, or sorry, Southeastern knocked off Union in the first round, uh, but Faulkner in the last round. Uh, but uh, I thought that uh, Jalen Moore, another guy that uh, is pretty, pretty popular on the NEI and, and they uh, transferred in from St. Francis, uh, Indiana, I believe. But uh, uh, the defensive effort that he put on uh, in that second half to, to slow down this Faulkner group uh, was a lot of fun to watch. And, and I know Riley Minix, uh, obviously rightfully so, as one of the best players in the country, uh, got, gets a lot of the accolades. But uh, the Southeastern Florida team starting to 
have a lot of guys. That was a really balanced, uh, 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 you know, game here up to, in Montgomery to go on or to go to Montgomery and knock off Faulkner on the home, on their home court to advance to Kansas City. Uh, says a lot about how good this fire team is. Well, yeah, and that's what same thing as Jalen Brooks, right? Can you get contributions from guys outside around the mix? Who can step up? Who can make the play? You know, you nailed it with the defensive side of things. Who's going to stop up or step up and get a stop when he needed the most? And the southeastern team is just starting to click, right? And that's that's a scary, scary team, and it is. Like I mean, we talked about it. You know, it's all aboard the Riley Minnick train, right? You, we've seen guys like Travion Cruz. We've seen guys, you know, that that have been in the NAI for a really long time, just go on these kind of kinds of runs, like and, and lead their teams. And of course, they're getting contributions, but it, it starts and ends with with minutes, right? And if he's not going, who's going to step up and make the plays? And if they can continue to figure that out, it's going to be a great matchup. But this auto team, I mean. Like we talk all year long about the GSAC, right? And how much your league play prepares you for for moments like this and and setups like this, a tournament style where you're playing teams from outside your league. And this is exactly what it is, right? There is no doubt in my mind that the GSAC conference play has led Ottawa to this moment. It just prepares you differently and just makes your team a little bit better and able to handle situations like this. So it's really not surprising to see Ottawa be in this right as a seven seed obviously to get by Oklahoma Wesleyan but I think you're spot on they just looked a little bit better than Oklahoma Wesleyan in that game and this Ottawa team is is primed and ready to take on the southeastern team well I think we mentioned it a little bit on the the first episode I I do think that that seven seed for, for Ottawa uh, after winning the GSAC tournament was, was a little bit of a, a misrepresentative of actually who they are uh, um this year and, and some of that it probably is just a fact I mean I know they're some of these GSAC records, because uh, uh, they beat up each on each other a lot. You know, you look at a team that was twenty three and nine, but those quality, those losses were pretty quality opponents. And so, um, you know, it's again, I'm happy for for the for the spirit to uh, uh, first time in school history uh, uh, to to be able to make it to Kansas City, and, and this is gonna be a lot of fun for them. Um, but yeah, just looking across the board, I mean, you know, as, as good as Josiah Del Sarda has been uh, as the All American uh, for them. Uh, well, Keyshawn Bruner, uh, the the other silent assassin in the tournament. I, I know that uh, Frankie Davidson for Grace gets that uh, that uh, uh, name quite often, but uh, Keyshawn Bruner, um, I have seen a lot of posts of uh, their fans and, and people calling him the silent assassin. But uh, uh, man, you know, put, coming out and putting up twenty nine points uh, and seven rebounds uh, against Oklahoma Wesleyan team, uh, you know, just showing you know the, their their starting depth, but their quality. Uh, uh, scoring depth as well. I think Bruner has been been very very good this year, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, um, but all the way across the board, I mean, they got some guys that just you know play really well off each other. And, and Alex Ville, red hot shooting from deep in that opening round game, and uh, this is gonna be a lot of a team that uh, an auto team. Uh, and I think that that just looking at Jose, Josiah Del Serta versus Riley Minix a little bit, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to, to kind of watch. Uh, two very, very good players go back and forth and, and go at it and kind of see what two teams that, again, haven't seen each other all year long and, uh, you know, what can they bring to the table and, and how do they choose to guard each other? Because that's kind of the, the next thing to look at. On, you know, how is the score, how good of a scouting report do they have coming in? And then what kind of in-game adjustments can you make when something doesn't work? Uh, and, and then ultimately it just comes down to the players. And 
Uh, there'll be a lot of adrenaline in a lot of these games uh, on this first day and uh, a lot of going to be a lot of fun to watch. Obviously it always is, but uh, uh, a lot of play being played by the coaches as well as they try to maneuver uh, their pieces to, uh, to get the win. But uh, I, I think this is going to be a, a really great matchup and uh, I will just go ahead and start it off. I think this is my favorite matchup of, of the entire day. Uh, I have a lot of respect for, for not just both of these coaches, but uh uh, these players too, and and uh, and I'm excited to watch uh, both these teams, and and it's cool, really, really cool to see two uh, uh, programs like these that uh, are going to have a shot. Uh, who are, the winner will obviously uh, move on to the NEI quarterfinals. Yeah, it, <clears throat> I've been carrying the water for Riley minutes all year long, and now you go and and, and swoop his matchup right from underneath me. But it's going to be a really, really, I I agree, just a great matchup to watch and your point about the in-game adjustments and, and kind of the scouting reports uh, is a good one. And I think at some point you got to just kind of throw the scouting report out the window and just worry about what you do best. Right. And just let your players go out there and make plays and work on what you work on all year long. But if we're looking, you know, on, on this Monday slate, I'm my matchup to watch is going to be that Tougaloo versus St. Thomas matchup. I, I think, like I said earlier, two just really good stories, right? Two teams that you almost you just feel good are are here in this moment and feel like they've been working for this moment, not just all year long, but but even in the years past. So, would like to see this Tougaloo team really kind of continue to make some noise and earn continue to earn you know everybody's respect after being you know kind of discredited all year long for their league play or whatever it might be. But really, really interested to see that matchup there and, and excited to see what team that you know, comes out of that can do against the winner of College of Idaho versus LSU Shreveport. Yeah, and, and I'll just say it out there. I mean, Tuglu, uh was in Kansas City a few years back. You know, I don't think they've been there since the merger, but, uh, um, you know, it's not not like they've never been to, been to Kansas City. So uh, certainly something to pay attention to there. I think that, uh, again, Cameron Copeland uh, um, proven that he's one of the best players in the eye as well. And, and, and a lot of uh, – certainly a guy that a lot of people probably haven't heard of um, just because a lot of people, uh, again, I don't think watch Tougaloo uh, much this year, but uh, a one-loss pro, a one-loss uh, program coming in, I think that's a great call. Uh, starting the tournament off uh, at the one p.m. game, why, why not uh, let that one be uh, a big time or one of the uh, games to watch of the of the day? But uh, uh, moving on to Tuesday, Pat, uh, moving into Dewar Quadrant here, and uh, uh, going to have off uh, is, again. It's going to be a one, three, five, and seven p.m. Central Time starts for all these games. Um, just go through the schedule first. Uh, uh, the one o'clock PM game uh, is actually going to to be the three seed uh, or sorry, two seed Langston uh, taking on the three seed Georgetown, uh, and then the three PM game is, is going to be the one seed Grace taking on the five seed Freed Hardeman. Uh, then you're going to have a uh, the five five o'clock PM game being the two seed Indiana Tech taking on the three seed Jamestown, and followed up with the one seed Arizona Christian uh, taking on the four seed Morningside. And uh, uh, Pat, just uh, going back to the Dewar Quadrant here, uh, you know, again, again, one o'clock game between Langston and Georgetown. You know, you got a Georgetown team that, um, you know, coming off, uh, they they were actually off or knocked off a pesky Lords team in the opening round, uh, and then uh, Indiana Wesleyan actually knocked off a Mid American uh, Nazarene out of Kansas, uh, and they were able to uh, Georgetown was able to, uh, you know, I don't know if you got to watch it, watch it or not. Uh, 
but uh, knocked off two free throws late in that game uh, with no time left to knock off Indiana Wesleyan. Uh, and then Langston, uh, a team that we've talked about a lot this year, uh, was able to uh, uh, pretty handily handle, take care of Southern Oregon. Uh, and then North, or they were able to take off uh, Southwestern Christian or Southwestern Kansas, uh, who knocked off Northwestern Iowa in the opening round. Uh, Langston uh, was able to lock down uh, Kevin Clark and company, uh, hold them to 65 points uh, on their way to the 22 point win. Uh, Pat, I think what we talked about a little bit uh, with Langston uh, in that opening round preview was that uh, the two seed probably motivated them a little bit. I think uh, that doesn't change, shouldn't change your mind any after the first two games here with, with two blowout wins. Yeah. <clears throat> and, we talked at the beginning of this of this podcast about how, you know, it might be hard to find your offensive rhythm, but this Langston defense is, is packed and ready to go and, and ready to take on anybody, right? Defense travels with you. You don't have to worry about your depth perception or what the, the backdrop looks like when you're playing defense. You just got to worry about guarding somebody. And so I think this Langston team is set up, at least in this early round, to, to really give Georgetown some fits. But Going back to that Georgetown versus Indiana Wesleyan game, is there ever a moment that, like, you dream of more as a kid than being in that situation? I mean, that's just – you think about, you know, your experience as a college athlete in moments in your life that you're never, ever going to forget, and that certainly is one of them. So just an absolutely awesome, awesome moment there because that truly is a moment you dream of as a kid, and it's great to see it all come kind of full circle as an athlete. And But – this Langston team, like you said, I think is as motivated as any team in this tournament and still feels a little bit disrespected from that two seed. So they're going to be a, a tough out, but if Georgetown can kind of find their offensive rhythm in a, in a way to break loose, you know, anything can happen, right? We mentioned it with, you know, St. X. They, they got hot against William Penn and gave them a game, but, you know, couldn't hang on. So if Georgetown can find a way to get hot and, and give Langston some fits defensively, we're going to see a ball game there. Well, and I think it, it should be noted. I mean, you know, Georgetown, uh, I know that they haven't had the success that they had pre-merger, uh, but they, you know, since the merger, I don't, uh, I don't know that they've been to Kansas City yet, but, uh, um, you know, this is a team that with Coach Chris Briggs, who, uh, you know, is used to playing for national titles. So they're no stranger to Kansas City. They're no stranger to the routine. They're no stranger to anything. Except for the only thing that may throw some teams off this week is the fact that, you know, usually the games are not Monday through Saturday. You know, it usually is as a midweek start and goes into the the championship game is usually Tuesday of the following week. So uh, maybe maybe that messes with some of the, with the scheduling. But you know, you you have a coach obviously, uh, and, and Chris Briggs who who's uh, uh, been here and 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 uh, has won several or a couple national championships. Uh, and then you got uh, uh, Chris Wright here who uh, for Langston that. Uh, uh, went to the national title game last year with Talladega. And, and uh, while a lot of these players are new and didn't play in that game last year, you know, you have a coaching staff that's going to be used to that routine and used to that stuff. And so uh, I think these are going to be two very, very prepared teams coming into this game and, and going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think that uh, Georgetown, uh, you know, with the, when you look at the, uh, something we talk about a lot uh, around the, the Christmas time and around the semester change is that uh, – uh, these mid-season, mid-season uh, player additions that uh, uh, really have big-time impacts. And, and Jake Omer, who, uh, you know, was on their undefeated team, or not undefeated team, but their number one ranked team uh, back uh, when when COVID happened and canceled the tournament, 
Uh, Jake Omer was a big part of that team that year and uh, unfortunately sat out last year and, and is back this year, came back a semester. Uh, maybe maybe the addition of the year for, for anybody, uh, uh, anybody across the country. Uh, Jake Omer, a big-time player, big-time uh, uh, scorer for Georgetown. And, uh, uh, you know, then you got even Kyron Jones, a former All-American uh, uh, who's leads the tournament uh, or is, is uh, you know, one of the leader, leaders and rebounds of the tournament here. And, uh, and even their young guys uh, here, uh, uh, you know, stepping up big in, in a lot of these games. And so, uh, you know, you're looking really look forward to this uh, Georgetown-Langston game. Uh, I think that there's going to be uh, – I think this is going to be not just from a coaching standpoint, but even even the talent on the floor in this game. Uh, I think there's a lot of heavy hitters in this game. And I think that a uh, way to tip off a Tuesday with – with any uh, 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 powerhouse in Georgetown, and then you got a Langston team who uh, uh, won one game last year, and, and is maybe the story of the year this year, uh, battling off in the one p.m. game. So a lot of fun there. And then uh, turn around at the three p.m. game. You know, you got the uh, you know the one seed Grace, uh, who, who's playing as good as anybody in the country, and, and we've talked about how uh, good and balanced they are. Elijah Malone, and uh, one of the biggest best biggest in the country. You got Frankie Davidson, you know, one of the more underrated scores in the country, and uh, you know, just a very balanced squad with the Gibbs twins. And then you got some great, great role players on that team as well. Uh, and then you got the Hardman team who, you know, again, maybe didn't have the hype coming into the year. And, uh, you know, they, they've all they've done this year, basically when healthy is win ball games. And, uh, you know, a little bit, they probably felt a little bit disrespected uh, being able to, to, after they won the mid South uh, tournament, you know, another, uh, another team or another league here who has two teams, uh, uh, playing in the in the uh, round of sixteen, but uh, um, you, you know this is a, a team that probably felt a little respect after winning the Mid South Conference tournament uh, and having the year they had, and then being the two seed in their own region, you know, game and and uh, being the five seed overall there. But uh, uh, I think the Lions are, are a really really good team. I think that with Brand Thomas, uh, what he's been able to do, the Brian transfer, uh, how good he's been, and Riley McClendon, uh, one of our one of our uh, personal favorite players uh, around the country, just a, a dynamic score. Um, I think the Lions are, are are primed and ready, and I think defensively uh, they'll be able to match up with Grace. So um, you know this is a is a always a fun matchup. I mean we saw it with Georgetown and, and Indiana Wesleyan. Any time that the the Mid South and the Crossroads League uh, get to to get together and, and get a battle, I feel like there's always great games between those two teams and those or those teams in those two leagues. Yeah, and you know, point about Fred Hartman just when they're healthy, they just win, right? And that's kind of been a story with Grace, too, right? They just find ways to win games. And you almost are – I find myself being a little bit dumb to Grace's greatness at this point. It's like, okay, you know what you're going to get. You know they're going to be really, really good. And you wonder, and you hope it's not the case, are they getting a little numb to it themselves? Are They have got to be focused and locked in because this Free Harbin team, like you said, has been really good all year long. They've won a bunch of ball games. And if they can kind of just catch grace, you know, just in, you know, all it takes is one really good punch in these games, right? To at the right time to, to put a team away. And grace just has to be alert. They have to be ready. And I think this Freed Harden team, like you said, is as good as anybody and feels, like you said, a little bit disrespected being the two seed in their own pod. And, and can they continue to, to just find ways to win ball games and put this grace team, I'll tell you what, when they are locked in and they, and they are focused, they are a tough, tough out. I mean, we talk about the balance in some of these teams. There, there's not a team in the country that has more depth and balance than, than Grace does. And it's they're going to be really good. And they've 
we've seen that to start this tournament and Freed Hardman has to be ready and kind of able to adjust because you can take away Malone and then you got to find Davidson. You can take away Davidson and then you got to let Malone play one-on-one, whatever you might do. It's, it's, they're really difficult to defend. Yeah. And, and Grace, uh, uh, certainly uh, a tremendous year coming into this game. And, and we, we even talked, uh, uh, you know, a while back, uh, you know, Grace is, Grace is uh, experience from last year, just being able to make it to Kansas city and, and kind of, what how that reflects back on, on them this year and i think that's a, that's a big key i mean just i think the teams that are familiar but yep. you know familiar with the routine they can they can remember you know get in that flow they remember it from last and even though they were only here for one game last year you know it, it's a, a situation where you know Freed hardman uh you know they're gonna be you know does that take them out of rhythm you know maybe maybe not you know they uh, obviously both these teams got to play at home the last uh, as part of their pod play, but, uh, uh, you know, just, just eager to see kind of how that affects a team that, you know, was here last year. And then you got a team like freed, uh, you know, coming into this one and maybe just learning the routine, the first play or first time and playing inside municipal uh, auditorium for the first time. And, uh, just kind of, what does that do to teams and then, and, and how's that affect you? So, uh, very interested in that game as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, uh, you know, most people that have probably followed, Basketball year long, uh, are really looking forward to probably a Grace Langston matchup. But I think you got a Freed Hardeman and Georgetown teams out of the Mid South that uh, uh, maybe want to flex the muscle and prove that they're worth it too. So uh, as much as as maybe people are looking forward to Grace Langston, I, I don't know that that's a, a certainly uh, the matchup that we may not see as, as we, they're going to be facing off against two very good teams as well. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, last year we saw a Coach Wright team, you know struggle to score the ball, right? Can this Langston team do what Talladega wasn't able to do last year and find rhythm offensively? Because when you play slow and you play, you play so solid defensively, the games are just naturally a little bit lower scoring, right? And I think that puts you in, in tricky situations. And when you, you have such low possession games, a six-point lead, you know, feels like a 20, but all of a sudden you keep the game close for the entire game. And anything can happen right we've seen it already at this point in the tournament so these close games you got to be ready to finish them strong yeah and just going off that i mean you got a langston team again who who rolled uh into a uh, rolled out of the pod and and uh uh you know with two blowout wins and now you know at 31 and 2 and, and things have for the most part of the season come pretty easy for them and, and say what you want about the senior athletic conference i think it was a, a pretty good league but uh um, you know, this is a team that hasn't really had anybody in maybe a month who have been within double or have been within single digits of them. And so you, you just kind of wonder, you know, how that's going to play in if, if in a close game, you know, how does that affect, uh, how, how does that affect Langston just because they haven't been in one for a while um, and kudos to them. Maybe they, maybe they, you know, maybe they don't see another one. Maybe they, they roll to a national yeah. and uh, win by 10 every game on out. But uh um, you know, when it's an ass tournament coming through here and, you, and just a, a team that is playing great basketball, obviously, and, and, they are, and who we believe is very, very good, um, you know, what are they going to do if a game does get close and uh, they haven't been in that uh, situation much of this year? So uh, just be eager to kind of see how that plays out. But uh, uh, I think these are four very good teams. Maybe, maybe the four best teams out of any quadrant, uh, you know, from top to bottom coming in and, and uh, the doer, doer quadrant. Uh, on Tuesday is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So uh, then turn around and, and finishing up with the listing quadrant here, though, is uh, 
uh, again, the, the five o'clock and 7 p.m. games uh, on Tuesday. Uh, you know, we're going to start off with the 5 p.m. game here uh, between the two seed Indiana Tech, uh, the three seed Jamestown. Uh, Links or Indiana Tech uh, was able to uh, knock off IU South Bend, uh, ran away with that game to an 82 57 win, uh, and then uh, were able to knock off Evangel. Uh, they were able to to Evangel actually uh, led, uh, I think, midway through the second game or second half in that one. Indiana Tech uh, was able to do kind of what they do. They kind of go on these uh, these runs uh, over the course of the game and uh, were able to put a couple of them together late to uh, get the, the five-point win in that game. Uh, Jamestown, again, both of these two teams uh, uh, won their, at their, on their home court in their pods. Uh, Jamestown uh, was able to come away. They actually uh, knocked off uh, Bethel, Kansas in the opening round. Uh, and then uh, Prue State, who knocked off Mayville State, met, they met in the, uh, the second round. And uh, Jamestown was up big for, for a big part of that game. And uh, I know Prue State made a late run in that one. Uh, just was a little bit too late, uh, and we saw Jamestown advance on here. Uh, just talk about this game, Pat. I, I think we've talked about the how old Indiana Tech is, and and a lot of five year, fifth year players, and uh, you know, just a veteran group, and and they're a group that returns specifically to do what they've done this far, you know. And I know that they they have bigger goals and bigger plans and stuff, but but they came back to make a run at Kansas City, and now they're here, and now they want to make another run. Uh, at deeper or deeper run into a uh, possible national championship. But, uh, um, you know, you just look at Jamestown, a team that uh, obviously Mason Walters is, is still the favorite, I would think, to, to win national player of the year. Um, and, and Riley Menix is closing fast. But, uh, uh, you know, you got an Indiana Tech team who I think has a size to maybe match up uh, with, with Jamestown. And, and Jamestown is a team that actually one of the, one of the few teams here in, in the uh, – entire round of 16 here who's actually made three straight trips to Kansas City so uh again one of those team one of those games where, where you have a very experienced Jamestown team who's who's made it here they know the the, the uh schedule they kind of know the the you know what to do and they know the court you know against any Indiana Tech team who hasn't been here uh but I think this Indiana Tech Warriors program is very very talented very very good and I think that veteran leadership I don't know that it's going to matter much in this game yeah and you were spot on about this Indiana Tech team, right? They've been knocking at the door of Muni and finally just burst through it. And like you said, those guys came back to do this, right? And so it's almost like, all right, we're here now. Let's let's just do it, right? You're here. But this matchup against Jamestown is going to be one to watch. I mean, you talk about two teams that are, like you said, really old, really disciplined, play just like kind of a, a, almost like a little bit of a similar style. And like you said, Indiana Tech has the, the size to match up with Jamestown. I think this is going to be probably, I'll get out in front of it, the, the best game when we think about the games that we want to watch. This is going to be the one that's really, really competitive. I think this one, more so than the others, is probably going to just be tight back and forth, back and forth. You probably won't see a lead, at least if, if I'm predicting how this thing is going to go, probably more than four or six points the entire game. I think I think this is going to be really, really tightly contested against two teams that are just, you know, they're at their best, right? These The teams now are, are peaking, and, and they've been just kind of working to this moment, and this feels like a really good matchup for both of these teams, really, really even on paper. Well, and you just look at it, it's, uh, you know, one of those things where, uh, you know, as good as Mason Walters has been, I mean, uh, Mark Jose, uh, uh big-time shoot, you know, he ended up going 6-12 in their uh, last, through state uh, from the three-point line and uh he's a guy that, that made us look dumb la- last year i think I believe it was last year not two years ago but 
made us look dumb when he uh, went off last year in the opening round game uh, in Kansas City. And, and uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that can certainly shoot the ball. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, you know, it's part of what makes – Jamestown good is that they have Mason Walters in the bit and are in the post. And then, you know, they have so many good shooters around him. It really makes a tough double team Mason. And uh, I think just think this Jamestown team, you know, is a team that's been here before. And so uh, it'd be kind of eager to see the, the matchup uh, between a team that's been here before and then an Indiana tech team uh, who is that has that veteran leadership and, and kind of what they can do. And uh, you got Rob Stein who uh, was a whack player of the year uh, going up against Mason Walters, who's a G pack player of the year. And, uh, you know, even with Josh Klein and and uh, and Grant Smith, I mean, this is just an Indian Indian Tech team who uh, uh, brings a lot of depth and and uh, you know, I, I think that even though we saw Jamestown put up 95 in their last game and 81 in the opening round, you know, I, I just want to see, you know, does Tech uh, uh, what pace do they play at here and and do they try to eventually play into their depth a little bit in this game? Yeah, and. It, it's just going to be such an, an intriguing matchup. I, I think when you get two old teams like this, it, it just sets you up. You know, it feels like Indiana Tech has been here. It feels like they have the experience, but agreed. If they can get to their depth and, and they can find a way to kind of, I don't know, make this uh, more of a, a war and, and kind of a game in the trenches and just kind of muck it up a little bit, that's where I think Indiana Tech might start playing to their strengths. Yeah, and in the end, Tech obviously uh, really, really crashes the glass hard, and and that's what you got to do against Jamestown. You got to not just make a miss, but you got to go rebound it too, and and that'll be uh, something to pay attention to is who wins that rebounding battle in this round of playing or turn around with the uh, final game of of the uh, two or the round of sixteen here, uh, the Tuesday game at seven p.m. Uh, Going to have one seed Arizona Christian taking on four seed Morningside, and uh, Morningside uh, come in and uh, you know. Two tough, tough contested games. I mean, you got to, uh, they were able to fend off 13 seed Columbia, 81-77, before uh, knocking off a Kansas Wesleyan team who uh, ran away in their opening round game against IU Kokomo. Uh, Morningside was able to knock off uh, Kansas Wesleyan, 87-80, there in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, And then you got Arizona Christian team who really got a scare from the 16 seed uh, in that opening round game, uh, 61-59. They squeezed by, and then, uh, sorry, they were able to run away from the Antelope Valley team uh, who who knocked off? I think a good Wayland Baptist team in the open round. They just didn't uh, weren't able to to muster enough uh, in that that uh, second game there. As Arizona Christian uh, ran away with with the nineteen point win in that game. Uh, I just think the Arizona Christian. You know, this is a team. Actually, these are two teams. Uh, you know, who are are familiar with Kansas City. I mean, Morningside was here two years ago. Um, I think that this is a uh, a team where where you know they they're from a G Pack. They've been well tested. The G Packs had success. Uh, here and, and you got two teams from the G Pack uh, here in the list in quadrant uh, in Jamestown and Morningside. Uh, but Arizona Christian's been here the last two years as well, and, and uh, they're pretty familiar with Kansas City. Um, I, I think that this is going to be a, a you know an interesting matchup for for Morningside, and as uh, uh, you know as good as Eli Doble's been, um, you know I think Arizona Christian's really got been pretty good at guarding the guarding big men this year. Um, I know Elijah Malone. Uh, uh, Kind of hand it to him a little bit early in the year, but uh, Elijah Malone does that to a lot of people. So, um, going to be a very interesting matchup here. I think that uh, hit some shots. They are very, very good. The problem is they've been a little bit inconsistent shooting the ball this year, and it's cost them a couple games, or at least made games a little bit tighter sometimes than maybe they should have been. But uh, uh, and Morningside shoots the ball well enough. Uh, I think that this is something that, that you know maybe the thing to watch about in this game is just 
how good of, of shooting does Morningside come out with? And can Arizona Christian, you know, just be able to shut down Morningside, Morningside offense enough, uh, you know, to be able to keep this one a good game? Well, yeah, I think there's two things to think about here is one, we know this Arizona Christian team has been banged up all year long, right? Can they finally put the pieces together? I'm old enough to remember when this Arizona Christian team was preseason number one. And here we are, you know, kind of back right where they expected to be. And two, if you're not making shots, if you're struggling from the outside, where do you go from there, right? Are you going to fold? Are you going to pout? Are you going to cave? Or are you just going to continue to make adjustments, be the tougher team? If the Arizona Christian team isn't making shots, like you said, we saw in the first round, right? Ran into a little bit of trouble, escaped it narrowly, but found a way to win, right? And that's what really good teams do is when, when things aren't going your way, things aren't going according to plan, how do you adjust? How do you overcome? How do you just kind of find an alternate route? And so I, I think if Arizona Christian can continue to do that, Right, that's what really, really good teams do is they, they just grind games out like that. I think top top to bottom, they're as talented as anybody left in this thing. Yeah, and, you know, obviously we know Angelo Johnson. He's a, a former All-American. He was one of the, the players that have been hurt during the course of the year. He means so much to this team. Uh, uh, but Dennis Flowers, you know, he's a guy that, you know, didn't get back till about Christmas time, get healthy, uh, coming back from his foot, foot to injury. But, uh, uh you know, what a scoring threat he's been at. You know, you talk about, you know, quote-unquote mid-year additions, and I know that he was, you know, part of the team. He just wasn't healthy, but uh, he's a guy that mid-year uh, was able to to get back uh, to full strength, and then we saw him uh, impose his will to, on 29 points uh, there against Angelo Valley uh, to make it to Kansas City. But, um, you know, he's a, he's also a player that, you know, he screened for two years ago from Carroll, um, and, and we saw him uh, in the opening round. I believe that was the, the, the Carroll team that knocked off William Penn. Uh, you know, Dennis Flowers had a big-time opening round uh, game uh, there that year, too, with Carroll. So, um, and then we saw him last year, uh, you know, uh, really, really play well in the tournament as well uh, with Arizona Christian. And so this is his third year coming into Kansas City. And, and I just think that, uh, uh, you know, he's one of our favorite scorers in the year. I'm glad to see him healthy. Uh, but this is a, a town, and like you said, a town, a town, a team, and um, you know maybe not as deep as, as some other teams. Uh, you know, I think that they, they're you know probably eight strong here, seven, eight strong. But uh, I think this is a, a team that the Arizona Christian team that uh, uh, maybe yeah as, as talented and as big, and not just big, but like big body too. You know, like I think that's that's a, a you know the, the the play in Kansas City tends to be very very physical, and uh, especially around the rim and in the paint, and so. Uh, I think you got to be able to to take some shots here, and and I, I think Arizona Christian uh, certainly has the the bodies to to withstand that a little bit here, because uh, uh, it is it, you know they do let you play a little bit in Kansas City, or they tend to you know let you play a little bit in Kansas City. So um, you know obviously you got to adjust if they don't, but uh, um, I, I just like this this uh, Arizona Christian team a lot. But uh, uh, with that being said, I just think this Morningside team uh, uh, started off the year and maybe not as healthy as they wanted to be either. Um, I think that the uh, they went off and, and knocked off Carroll and I and Indiana Wesleyan uh, in South Dakota this year in the classic in small college basketball classic, and I think that was kind of maybe their big turning point of the year when they really started looking good. I mean, Joey Scoff's been uh, phenomenal. Like I said, uh, uh, Eli Doble's Doble's been been phenomenal, and then uh, um, they even got guys like Trey Powers and Jack Dossler that uh, 
Uh, they've been showing off, you know, their scoring prowess as well. So, um, you know, Aiden Vanderloo, when he's when he's playing really well and shooting the ball well, um, I believe a couple years ago when Morningside made it, uh, he had a big time shooting performance as well. So, um, you know, can he get back to to that? Uh, I know he's been a little bit unhealthy this year, but uh, a player that can light it up in a hurry, like we saw him against Columbia in the opening round. Uh, so uh, I think this Morningside team, like I said, they're just efficient. They score the ball well um, and just can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how Arizona Christian matches up with them. And uh, as we've seen, there's been talented teams get knocked off in the past uh, here in, in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of see how that, that plays out in this one. Uh, but I think this is a great, great game to end the round of, round of 16 on just because I think these are two maybe – Maybe teams that don't play a lot or play similar basketball, but uh, uh, two teams that are, are very fun to watch, and I think that it's going to be a great game to end it on. But uh, uh, I'll just go ahead, Pat. Uh, uh, I'm going to say my favorite favorite opening round game here, or sorry, the opening round of the round 16 uh, is, is another side of the bracket. Uh, for me, is going to be the Langston-Georgetown uh, game. I think, uh, uh, you know, just something fascinating about the tradition of Georgetown and then uh, a Langston team who who coming off a one win team, and I know they're a completely different team than what they were last year at this point. But uh, uh, just uh, the storyline is fun, but also I think two very very good basketball teams, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I bet just going on go on a limb here, I think the team wearing orange in that one's going to win that one. Ooh, yeah, yeah, bold, real bold there. Yeah, you know, in true road to many fashion, I'll, I'll pick the other two versus three game. And I just think this Indiana Tech versus. Uh, Jamestown matchup is just it's just going to be a really just a good game like I said earlier I think it's going to be close the entire time I think these are two teams like we talked about that are really old really experienced kind of just really want to be in this moment have worked really hard to be in this moment that the other teams have but like we said with the Indiana Tech guys came back to be in this moment and you just want to see them reward themselves and then you got a guy like Mason Walters on the other side and in, in company around him that you know, uh, have played really well all year. Mason Walters obviously going for player of the year. And just going to be – it's just going to be a good game, right? This is just going to be a, a, a good game that you can sit down and watch. Yeah, and, and uh, I just think that, you know, this time of year, you, you know, all every team you're playing is very good ba- – or is really good basketball team. And uh, I think that all eight of these games are going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I think that it's, it's just hard this time of year to – to not get excited about the teams that have made it uh, this far. And um, they made it this far for a reason. And that's why, you know, ultimately it is, it, most of these games are pretty good. Um, you don't see a lot of blowouts this time of year. Uh, you know, it does, ha- does tend to happen, you know, sometimes, you know, for, for various reasons, uh, you know, matchups sometimes, uh, matchups do matter. Matchups sometimes uh, uh, get a little bit out of hand, but uh, for the most part, these are usually very, very good games. Uh, and we're looking forward to them a lot. Um, Pat, I know that, uh, all four of my uh, Fab Four predictions are still available, are still open right now. Um, I am going to make one adjustment, but I, I'll let you uh, kind of take the wheel on this one first. Who, who are you, uh, who are you taking for your Fab Four selections here? So I like Aljaio coming out of the Naismith. I think when we look further down here, I think this Ottawa team really out of the Kramer has a chance. I, I think they they just like we said the GSEC preparation really I think holds a lot of weight in my opinion. I think Grace comes out of the doer. And then as we look down here, I mean, I, I tried to go with Marion, you know, out of the Kramer, but uh, I'll stick to my Hoosier roots and I'll take Indiana Tech to come out of the listing. Yeah, I uh, I originally had uh, College of Idaho 
uh, Montana Tech, and I had Indiana Tech and uh, uh, Grace as well. Um, I'm going to. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm changing my opinions here just on a couple things. I am going to go College of Idaho. Um, I love Montana Tech, and, and as much as I love them, I, I, I do worry about Caleb Belich being out. I know they won that that uh, game at home against uh, Thomas Moore to get here. Um, I think that uh, that William Penn game uh, with them will be very, very good. Uh, but uh, if I have to take a team, I'll take Ottawa as well. I think they're playing as good as anybody in the country, um, and I just really, really love them. I think William Penn's, uh, you know, very, very good uh, as well. They shoot the ball a little bit uh, or shoot the ball a lot uh, from deep, and so, so they're going to need to make some shots uh, to make it. And I'll just take this Ottawa team. I think that uh, after that opening round game, uh, uh, the game winner, uh, maybe like you, another phrase that you use, you know, maybe a team of destiny coming out of, uh, of the Kramer. But uh, uh, so College of Idaho and uh, and uh, Ottawa, I'll be on your on side with that one. Uh, and I'm going to go with Grace just because I think that uh, they're good, even though I, I really want to uh, switch to Langston uh, here. But uh, it's just I love this Grace team. I just think they're way too deep and way too uh, talented. Um, and I think that they can uh, I think that experience last year is going to help carry them. Uh, to a Fab Four appearance here, and uh, I, I went with Indiana Tech uh, last time, but I can't go all four uh, on the same teams as you do, Pat. Here, so I'll let you, I'll give you Indiana Tech, and I'll I'll go chalk and go Arizona Christian. Uh, I just think that as good as they've been uh, in the experience, and they made it to Fab Four last year, um, and, and I just think that, uh, like I said, the, the experience that they've they have, I think they're primed to make a run again, and, and I'll, I'll switch to Arizona Christian in this one. And uh, again, I want to apologize. I know that it's been okay so far uh with my fab four selections last year didn't go so hot so i apologize to all four teams uh that i just selected there i hope i don't jinx anybody because uh that seems to tend to happen so apologies ahead of time if if uh if if, if getting knocked out i know that uh, we just gave uh motivation to uh 14 other teams uh, uh there that are listening into this one but uh, uh i i just you know pat coming in I, i'm excited to be in Kansas city i'm excited to watch these games live um, I just think that uh, uh, I'm biased, I know, uh, but the, there's, there's nothing greater than the NEI National Tournament inside Kansas City. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I love the fact that the opening round games are there. Uh, I wish that's why, I, you know, as I talked about in the intro a little bit, I hope that we can maybe eventually get back to 32 teams in Kansas City just because I think the experience for the kids and the players are, are awesome. And, and me as a fan, I don't mind sitting there from, you know, 8 a.m. tip-offs until, you know, sometimes 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. That's just me. I know that the tournament committee and the the workers and all that they actually have to work behind the scenes to to put all that into action. And I know that uh, uh, you know with the one, three, five, five, and seven p.m. games, it's a little bit more manageable for them. So maybe we won't ever get to thirty two teams again. Uh, uh, but I do want to say that uh, I I love uh, watching uh, the NEI tournament when it gets to Kansas City. I think that even that sixteen team teams uh, uh, that qualify for for this part of the national tournament. Uh, uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch, and, and uh, uh, it's the best of the best, Pat. And uh, like like we always say, you know, now it's time we're going to settle it on the floor. Yeah, that's right. And like we always say, too, we'll just keep our catchphrase. This is the best time of the year, right? And kudos to all these 16 teams that have made it. It's just a testament to a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment. Think about that Indiana Tech team, a lot of guys making, you know, selfless decisions and just putting things aside and worrying about your school, worrying about the program and just taking pride in all the work that you've done. And then you have other stories like, you know, Rodney Minix, can he, can he shoulder the load, right? Can he make a, a magical run? 
into the Fab Four, maybe, or a team like Tugalu that feels a little bit disrespected, or a team like Langston that might feel a little disrespected. So I think there's a lot of really, really good storylines at play here. Obviously, some really good matchups that you said will be settled on the court, right? And it's just going to be good basketball. You know, we, we called out a few matchups, but I think all these matchups really are going to be tightly contested. You said it. There's not usually a lot of blowouts in these games. They're going to probably be low scoring. They're probably going to be really physical and just, you know, really, really close and exciting. We'll, we'll have a write-up on the uh, on the uh, quarterfinals uh, uh, matchup. Uh, uh, Pat and I will be back on the air uh, for a Fab Four uh, a preview. But, uh, uh, you know, best of luck to all the teams coming out. Like Pat just said, there, there's a ton of great storylines, a ton of great potential uh, matchups even all the way down the board we'll, we'll see if we get there or not you know there's just so many good teams you just don't know uh you know you can't ever tell who's going to come out of it i mean uh look at this point already i mean you, you got a you got a 10 seed and an 11 seed and, and a 16 and a 7 seed even uh who, who've already qualified uh, for the round of 16 so uh we've already proven uh, in the nei uh, national championships here that uh, uh anybody can make it anybody can win anybody can uh, take this one home. And, and I think that, you know, with no quote unquote Loyola type this year, I do think it's anybody's tournament and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, which one of these 16 teams uh, eventually is crowned uh, national champion on Saturday, on Saturday. But uh, uh, Pat, I know that uh, I speak for yourself that uh, we're wishing everybody best of luck. Uh, we're looking forward to all these games and uh, uh, we'll see everybody again. We'll, we'll talk to everybody again here uh, in the semifinals. Uh, but until then, it is Patton Jr. signing off.